Well, let me just begin by saying good morning again now here and uh, welcome also, especially to those of you who are joining us right now in the traditional service. I'm glad that we have this opportunity here in both of our worship venues to worship and learn together as one church family. And as we're going to be learning from the Bible here this morning, if you want to follow along with the Bible passages that we are reading, in, if you don't have your own Bible with you, our ushers are going to come up the aisle uh, in both worship venues. And if you want to borrow a Bible from them during this hour, please feel free to do that. And you can just return that Bible to the shelf in the back of the room uh, after our worship service today. We're continuing with our series called The Good Life, reading together Jesus' Sermon on the Mount this week. And this week, Jesus takes us into a topic that I think is very directly related to how it is that we experience the good life in the kingdom of God. We heard this passage read in both of our worship services, and Jesus is talking to us today about the way that we relate to money. And I always think it's worth saying that if you're a guest here, if you're visiting for the first time, we don't talk about money every week around here. I know sometimes churches get a bad rep for that. But it's also something that is a real part of our lives, and it's something that Jesus teaches us about here in the Sermon on the Mount. And I know that sometimes the way that we relate to money can be something that causes joy in our lives. It can bring joy into our lives and the lives of others. But also the way that we relate to money can sometimes be a source of pain and frustration in our lives. The way that we relate to money can be a heart-lifting experience or it can be a heartbreaking experience. And we're going to learn about that from the scriptures today. I think that I've learned lessons like that all throughout my life and I even remembered as I was reading this passage a couple experiences that I had from my childhood that I think helped me relate to this. I can remember two times when I was a kid that I saved up for something, that I kind of got my heart set on something and then saved up for it and made a big purchase. When I, the way that I earned money when I was a kid is I would mow lawns. I'd mow, grass, mow the grass for money. In particular, I had one lady who was two doors down from us, right on our block where we grew up, and we lived in the city, so we had pretty small yards, but she would pay me $5 every time I would mow her grass, and I'd mow it about once a week, so I earned about $5 a week. And the first thing that I can remember saving my $5 a week to buy was a present for my mom. I should do that more nowadays probably, but I did it then, and I remember getting the idea because there was this vendor who would set up shop around the corner from our house, maybe just a couple hundred yards away from where we lived. And I saw there when they would set up, you know, like around certain holidays, they sold like flowers and balloons and stuffed animals and stuff like that. And one time I saw they had this huge stuffed bear. And I thought, man, I'd like to buy that for my mom. I probably thought I would like it, so probably she would like it, right? So I started saving up my money for this. And uh, my sister got in on this deal too. I'm not sure she probably got her allowance or something. And we were both saving our money up for this. And then the vendor came back and we had enough money. So my sister and I walked up the street around the block and we bought this big stuffed animal. It bought as big as either one of us was. And we walked back with the stuffed animal, bring it back to the house. It fit in the front door just barely, I think. And we give this stuffed animal to my mom. And she loved it, you know? I don't think she was thrilled that we walked around the corner to go do this, but she loved the stuffed animal. We loved giving it to her, and it was, this, it, was, it was a really fun, joyful experience. In fact, she still has it. So I, I contacted my mom this week and asked her, could you send me a picture of that thing? And, I, and so she sent me this picture. This is a picture of it right there. Big old panda bear. My, my parents moved to a new house a couple years ago, actually, and this made the cut. So they, they moved this <laughs> to a new house. So that's like decades later, right? So I'm feeling like that was a good use of money, right? Like that was a good buy. That was a heart-lifting experience. The other thing that I can remember saving up my money for when I was a kid was I wanted to get a remote-controlled car, 
I wanted to, I don't know if all kids love radio controlled toys, but I sure wanted one when I was growing up. So I saved up my $5 a week and I was looking around at different things that I could get. And I found something at the local radio shack that I wanted to buy. And so I started saving my money. And, I, and when I finally got enough, I rode my bike up there. I was a little bit older now. I rode my bike like a mile away to the radio shack. And I bought this radio control car and I brought it back home again and I started to play with it. It was an Audi Quattro. So it was four-wheel drive, of course. It's my, it's my first Audi. It's my only Audi. So it's my, first, it's my first car, right? So I got this car. It's four-wheel drive, of course. It was silver. It used a lot of batteries. And that's all I remember about that car. Because <laughs> it was just not as awesome as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I played with it for a while. But that's kind of a bummer that it didn't turn out to be so great because I really worked for that car. Like, I mowed the grass on hot summer days. I saved up for it. I sacrificed for it, right? Like, I passed up other things that I wanted to buy so that I could save my money and buy this car. And then it didn't work out so well. And I can't actually show you a picture of this car because it wound up in the trash a long time ago. It just could not live up to the impossible expectations that I had for it. I know this has probably happened to you also before too. And that was not a great use of money, I think. Although I learned some lessons from it, it was not a good buy. It was not a heart-lifting experience. It was kind of a heartbreaking experience. And I'm telling you these two stories from my childhood, but I bet you could all tell very similar stories. Whether it's from your childhood or for those of you who are adults here, maybe you have similar experiences, I know I do, experiences from our adult lives also. Sometimes we use money, whether it's spending or saving or giving or earning, sometimes we relate to money in ways that bring us or other people joy. Sometimes we use or relate to money in ways that, well, doesn't bring us joy. Sometimes we use and relate to money in ways that causes us conflict. Sometimes we find that the way that we use or relate to money in our lives actually puts the money in control of us instead of us in control of the money. Sometimes the way that we use money can be heart-lifting. Sometimes the way that we use money can be heartbreaking. And this is the very thing that we heard Jesus teaching us about in the passage that we read today. So I'd like to look a little more carefully with you at a few of these verses and hear from Jesus how he teaches us not just skills in, in how we use money, but how Jesus actually addresses the spiritual heart of the way that we relate to money and material things in our lives. So if you have a Bible with you, would you open it up with me right now to Matthew chapter 6. If you have one of the Quest Bibles with you, it's on page 1420. And we're actually starting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And this passage starts with kind of a warning, just a real common sense warning. Here's what Jesus began by saying in Matthew 6, 19. He said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Okay, just going to hold on there for a second. So this is a very common sense warning. We know that the stuff of this earth, the things that we might invest in, that eventually it has the potential to wear out or to break down and to let us down. So I know this very well, and I even brought along a couple more images to share with you here. This is, this is a picture of my truck right here. This has been a good truck for me. I've driven it for a long time. But this is a picture of rust destroying my truck, right? Okay, this is a picture of my house. I'm very grateful to have this house and the two beautiful kids sitting on the front step playing right there. However, this is a picture of the spot where water started leaking in through the siding of my house. This is a picture of the file folder where I keep the quarterly statements of my long-term savings. This is a picture of what can happen to our long-term savings. <laughs> right? We all know what this is like. 
This doesn't mean that it's wrong to have a car or a house or to have long-term savings. It's just a realistic warning of what happens to the things in this world. And, it's a, and Jesus needs to warn us about this because it can happen also to our hearts. Because it's true that our hearts always follow our treasures. And if we let our hearts get attached to things that we treasure in this world, our hearts are at risk. This is also what Jesus said in the Bible, in the passage we read today. So just if you keep this page open, if you would. Matthew 6, verse 21, this is what Jesus said. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is just a general truth about human experience. Hearts and treasures move together. And we need to learn that, and we need to understand that if we're going to be able to grasp and move forward in and learn from the things that Jesus teaches us about our hearts and money. Hearts and treasures move together, all right? Now, the reason Jesus has to warn us about this is because our hearts will follow these things. And because our hearts and treasures move together, if we treasure the things of this world, we're setting ourselves up for the risk of some significant broken heart. We can wind up with a lot of broken hearts because we will start to treasure the things of this world. However, I think it's also worth digging down a little bit here, drilling down a little bit and recognizing that I don't think it's really money that any of us actually treasure, right? A little cottony piece of paper with some fancy green ink on it is not all that exciting all by itself. It's not really the money itself that we treasure. It's not even always the material things that money can buy that we treasure, although that's getting a little bit closer. I think it's really the things that money and material things symbolize for us, what they mean to us, what they do in our hearts. So, for example, sometimes I think we begin to treasure money and the things that money can buy. We treasure money and material things because they give us a measure of pleasure or comfort. And so we start chasing all the pleasure and comfort that we can get because that looks like the good life to us. Because that's what we start to treasure and we think that will bring us the good life. Other times, we, we treasure money and the material things that money can buy because we think that it will give us status because people will think well of us, because we think people will think good things about us if we have nice things, or if we represent a certain level of wealth or success. And status becomes a part of our picture of the good life, and so we start to chase that. Sometimes we store up money and material things because they make us feel more secure. And security becomes a part of our vision of the good life. And we treasure these things like pleasure and status and security, but they can never live up to the impossible expectations that we have for them any more than that garbagey little remote control car that I thought was going to make me happy when I was a kid. And that's because pleasure is just pleasure. It's not joy, even though we try to make it substitute for it. And status is just status. It's not relationship, even though we try to make it substitute for it. And security can mitigate risk to some degree, but it can never actually keep us safe, even though we hope that it will. And when we let our heart get attached to these things, our heart is at risk of going down because hearts and treasures move together. But just like Jesus does in all of the Sermon on the Mount, first he diagnoses the problem. He lets us know what the danger is, what could go wrong. 
But then he doesn't leave us there. He also gives He also gives us an invitation to a new and better way. He makes us a promise that there's something else besides this. And the same thing happens here. So let me read you one more verse here. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. So Jesus said, instead, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven because that treasure will last and it will not let you down. But there's one challenge with this verse that I think we often just fail to recognize, and that's this. The verse never tells us what treasure in heaven is, right? You kind of assume that you know, you feel like you should know. Jesus says, store for yourself treasure in heaven, but he doesn't really say what treasure in heaven is or how you should get it so that you can store it up. That's a challenge. I think the reason that Jesus doesn't have to explain in this place. I think the reason that he doesn't feel that it's necessary to explain to the people that are listening to him what treasure in heaven is, is because he's been talking about it for the whole Sermon on the Mount already. Because he began the Sermon on the Mount saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he's been teaching in the whole Sermon on the Mount about what it's like to live in the life that God gives us that we receive, experience, and join in in the kingdom of heaven. Not only forever, but also for now. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, he had the audacity to say. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted and encounter opposition because of me. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has been teaching about treasure in heaven every time he teaches about kingdom in heaven. Treasure in heaven is spiritual dependence on God. Treasure in heaven is reconciled relationships. Treasure in heaven is faithful, dependable marriages. Treasure in heaven is repaying evil with good. Treasure in heaven is selfless giving to the needy that doesn't announce itself with trumpets, but just takes care of one another. Treasure in heaven is learning to pray in the way that Jesus teaches us to pray, a vibrant life of prayer in the way of Jesus. Treasure in heaven, I think, is treasuring the kingdom of heaven that Jesus came to bring and to announce and to explain to us all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. So for my own benefit this week, I did a little exercise that I want to share with you. I did a little exercise because I know what treasure on earth looks like. I can see it with my own two eyes. I know what a rusty truck looks like. I know about a leaky house and a shaky market. I know what those things look like. But I wanted to see with my own two eyes some concrete images of treasure in heaven, of treasuring the kingdom of heaven. So I got up out of my chair back there in my office, and I started to walk around our church's building, this building, our church building here. And I started to walk down these halls right here and take a look at the pictures that are on the walls that we started to hang up there in the last couple years. And I saw pictures of our church family, for example, in Haiti, laughing and singing, sometimes dancing and feeding the hungry. And I saw pictures of our church family right here in White Bear Lake, playing games and housing the homeless right here in our church's building. And I saw pictures of our church family in worship, singing and praying, experiencing the grace and the spirit of God together here in this place in both of our worship venues. I saw pictures of our church family celebrating new baptisms, the hope of new life and life transformation and welcome into the family of God. 
I saw pictures hanging on the hallway of the children of our church family learning where the good life is actually found in the hope and the love and the joy of Jesus Christ instead of in all the lies and empty promises that are going to compete for their priorities and their identity throughout their life. And I even, I know this may sound hokey, but I even closed my eyes for a minute and I began to picture the things that are not in the pictures. I began to picture your life and my life and our community groups meeting together, sharing life together, serving together in Jesus' name, even when there's not a camera following you around to get a snapshot of it. And so I began to have visions of treasure in heaven dancing around in my head. And because I'd just been reading this passage and listening to Jesus teach us about our material treasures and about money, I also thought about the connections between the money and the material treasures that we have and these treasures in heaven. And so my mind ran to the tithes and the offerings that my own family gives to invest in treasure in heaven. And then I began to think about the tithes and the offerings that you and your families give to invest in treasure in heaven. And that's kind of an emotional thought, actually, for me, because I know that you work hard for the money that you earn and that you give to invest in treasure in heaven. And I know that you and I both sacrifice for that investment, that there are other opportunities that you pass up, other purchases maybe, whatever it might be, that you sacrifice in order to do this instead, that you pass up other things to invest in treasure in heaven. And I think this is what Jesus was talking about. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and vermin can't destroy it, where nobody can take it away from you. Don't store for yourselves treasure on earth where they can be destroyed, but store for yourselves treasure in heaven. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then I think it's also really important to say, maybe most important to say, that this isn't just some idea, some universal principle that Jesus wants us to understand, though there certainly are some common things in human experience that are involved here. This wasn't just something Jesus said for us to understand. This was something that Jesus did for us to experience. Jesus also sacrificed for treasure in heaven. He endured the trials of this human life, though he did not have to. Jesus himself experienced abandonment, rejection, pain. When it comes to having material things, Jesus told one guy, I don't even have any place to lay my head. Jesus endured the sting of death. And why did he do that? What was his treasure? His treasure was you and me experiencing and being welcomed into the kingdom of heaven now and forever. You're God's treasure. We together are Jesus' treasure. And he did this for the sake of joy. The Bible also says that for the sake of the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus' treasure was you and me and all of human community experiencing the grace and the power of the kingdom of heaven forever and for now. And it's because Jesus treasures us that he would even bother to teach us and then to demonstrate by his life, don't put your treasure there where things can let you down and rust and leak and get destroyed and taken away from you and disappear. Don't do that with your heart. Treasure the things that will be heart-lifting, not heartbreaking. Because hearts and treasures move together. And I read that 
And I think about what God does in the life of our church family and our relationships and the kingdom, the measure of the kingdom that he allows us to experience and invites us into. And I think we have to respond to that and ask ourselves in an honest sort of way, what is it that I really treasure? What is it that you really treasure? I mean, if you could put that picture frame, if you could put that frame up on the wall, what would you put in that frame for you? What does your heart really treasure? You could ask yourself, what is it that I'm working for? What is it that I would sacrifice for? What, what is it that I pass up other things to do this? What do I treasure? And I'm, I'm not asking you, you don't have to tell anybody else to answer this question. So you don't have to think, like, what, is somebody, what do I want somebody else to think that I treasure? And you don't even have to think, like, what am I supposed to treasure? But I mean, like, what do you really treasure? I bet I've asked myself this question nigh on a hundred times this week. And I think it's taken about that many askings to start to really get honest with myself. And maybe it's the right time for you to ask that question too. What do you treasure? And then as you get there, as you start to think about the things that might go in that frame for you, and, and I bet there's more than one thing competing for being like the highest frame on your wall, the one right at eye level. But as you think about the things that go into that frame, you could also ask yourself this. Are those treasures in that frame, are they like treasure on earth treasures? Or are they more treasure in heaven treasures? Are they more kingdom of heaven treasures or treasure on earth treasure? Are they treasures that let my heart down? Are they heartbreaking treasures? Or are they heart-lifting treasures? And if you're anything like me, and you're having to come to the stubborn realization that there's more treasure on earth treasure in that frame than really is good for you, or really honors our Lord, or really will be good in the long run. Then I also want to tell you what I think Jesus is saying here in the Sermon on the Mount, and that is, you can switch pictures. It's possible to get a new picture in that frame. You can dream a new dream. You can dream a dream that is more satisfying, that is more soul-satisfying, that is more long-term good, a dream that is more eternally long-term and eternally long-term impactful. You can switch pictures. And I think that picture can get switched out in our hearts in a, in a few different ways. And maybe it's good to kind of attack it from a number of angles. On the one hand, that picture can get switched out by spiritual means. Like it can start to move through worship and prayer and reflection and Bible reading. God, by his spirit, can work in your heart and start to kind of slide one picture out and slide a new one in. I think it can happen. I know that I've experienced this. It can happen relationally. Like you start hanging out with, you build friendships, you spend time with people who are kingdom dreamers, people whose frames are filled with kingdom of heaven treasure, and it's contagious, you know, you catch it. Because you start to see that's beautiful. I want that picture on the frame and the walls on my heart. And it starts to like slide in there. God does that relationally. Another way is the way that Jesus said in the passage we read today. Jesus said, hearts and treasures move together. Where your, heart, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if you want to treasure something different, move some treasure there. If you want to treasure kingdom of heaven treasure, give to it. Support it. Invest it. Hearts and treasures move together. If you put a little treasure there, you'd be surprised how quickly your heart will follow. Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And here as we close this time of reflection together on Jesus' teaching, on God's word in our lives, we can begin with the first of those things. We begin by praying for God's spirit to work in our lives, to 
give us heart-lifting experiences with the treasures he's entrusted us with. So let's pray together. Good and gracious God, we thank you for your incredible love for us. God, I thank you for Jesus' sacrifice for us. And God, I pray more than anything else that you would just start there in our lives. And that for those of us who just don't grasp on a regular basis the power and the depth of your love and how much you treasure us, I pray by your spirit that you would do that in us. And God, I pray that you would also open our eyes to understand what Jesus taught his very first disciples and all the crowds around and teaches us also. I pray that you would give us the the internal courage, God, the spiritual honesty to recognize what it is that we treasure. And then God, fill us up with faith and courage. Fill us up with joy by treasuring what it is that you treasure. Move our hearts to the kingdom of heaven. We pray and live in Jesus' name. Amen.